DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And we are joined right now by our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint, making it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, there was a hilarious conversation last week after the show when Jake told me that you said, well, yeah, come on, but what are we going to talk about? (laughs) And for whatever reason, the way he said it just broke me up. And the thing is, I had a couple things I knew I wanted to talk to you about last week, but when you dropped that Austin Ainge scouting story and going into the analytics and the eye and then reducing everything to just a number, but then him watching and seeing individual things in the game that had to be fixed, that was fascinating. We don't get that out of coaches or ex-coaches. They don't usually talk about that kind of stuff. And if there had been games, that story probably still wouldn't have come up. So we've just got to randomly talk to you because we don't know what you're going to blurt out that we find fascinating. Well, yeah, I guess you spent 40 years doing something, 38 years doing something. You've had a lot of experience, and some of them really embarrassing, some of them really good, and some of them not so good. But, uh, yeah, there's usually a story applied to something. So, no, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, hopefully we can find something to talk about today. (laughs) I got a bunch of stuff that I wanted to talk to you about that I didn't get to you uh, last week. And one of it is the situation with the college coaches now with the recruiting. You know, we had on Mark Pope, and he was talking about how obviously he's never offered a scholarship to anybody without seeing them in person. And recruiting has to be done right now, but it's being done under circumstances that most likely no coach has ever really done it in the manner that they're doing it now. If you're recruiting in today's world, not being able to go out and we're not having these spring and probably maybe not even these summer tournaments that we have in Vegas and Atlanta and New Jersey and all these places, how are you going to be able to approach recruiting or how would you approach recruiting to make sure? Because at some point the season's going to go on and you're going to be held accountable for winning games. Well, I think it'd be a lot easier today to do it than it would have been when I was coaching, just because there's because of technology and you know whether it's synergy or whatever yet you know organization that collects uh, data and video for uh, high school, college basketball, NBA, everything. So I think there's access. I think the first, your starting point is you know personal references, talking to coaches, talking to their summer coaches. Uh, talking to you know opposing teams coaches uh, you know just to get their sense and a feel for the, the young man if in fact you'd never seen him play and and then you'd want to get film and and it, it, it does make a difference to see somebody in person uh, you can see how they react in certain situations and sometimes film doesn't uh, depict that but that that would be the starting point for me I think that you know the way the NBA does it and dealing with enough enough guys that the NBA looked at and had conversations with assistant coaches and GMs and so forth. Uh, they, you know, you, you want to get into the intangibles as well, and you're not going to pick that up on film. You know, what kind of person are they, and uh, what are what are the qualities and character traits of this guy, and, and on the floor, off the floor, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, you you don't want to get surprised. I mean, I, as a junior college coach. Um, 
you know, sometimes you just had to take the word of somebody, and it, you know, it was late. It was June, July, August. You're trying to pick up a guy or two, and his numbers are great. And then you get him in, and you realize, whoa, this is not a real good person, <laughs> and uh, we're going to have to have some character changes here, or they're not going to be able to survive. So I, I think today you, you can get a lot of those character, the intangible reports from people that have watched them, but you got to get on the phone and you're, you know, you're texting and doing things of that nature. Uh, and then rely a lot on film. And, uh, you know, sometimes not everybody wants to come to your school. <laughs> and so it's a matter of convincing somebody that this is a really good place for you to be. It's always easy to do that when, you know, you don't have someone or two, you know, the, the depth chart isn't two or three. And the guy's a, a three man, he's a wing, and that's his position. You know, you gotta, you gotta be honest. Uh, it's, you know, one, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of college coaches make that I saw during my time is uh, they, they recruited more than they needed. And I think they feel like, hey, I'm going to stockpile get as many guys as I can. We'll get rid of them. Well, all of a sudden, that started being a, really a negative thing and impacting you with the APR. And all of a sudden, you couldn't just get rid of guys. And when you have guys that aren't happy, and they're, they're, they're not, they quit going to school. When they quit going to school, that impacts APR. And ultimately, down the road, it impacts scholarships and all the other things that come with it. So... Uh, I, I think there are multiple resources to, to get the intangibles as well as the guys. I mean, it's always fun to go watch them play and to see them in the heat of the moment and how they respond. But you, you can do a pretty good job of that, and uh, and that may be what they're up against here, to at least with this recruiting class. Younger guys, I don't think it matters right now because they've already been out and seen all the younger guys, but they do get better. And uh, so – It'll be interesting to see how that falls out, but I, I think there's lots of ways, lots of resources that they have. It is just gonna, it looks different than it did uh, a year, twelve months ago. Yeah, I'm really curious here if we're going to find out that uh, this is really going to separate the really good talent evaluators and recruiters from the people who are kind of average, or if it's going to because we're not going to know who's improving. If there's going to be a potluck random element to it and, and people are going to get lucky and unlucky with guys because they're things you can't know, how, how do you think this plays out with this class? Well, I think this class will be different in, in, in that sense, and, and probably uh, the impact will be there will probably be some mistakes made. If they can't have access to them all summer and they have to make decisions on late signatures, you know, late signings, that uh, it, it'll be a little bit dicey. And... Uh, but I, I think, I, th- I think it would really impact it more if this thing went on for another seven, eight, nine months. Then now, now you're looking more at the unknown. I think most everybody that they've watched uh, and seen and transfers and so forth, they got a pretty good idea. I mean, you're typically a college coach. I mean, I, I, I mean, I speak. I've been at different places, but I mean, at BYU, you're watching kids. You know, you're, you're talking about kids that are young now that you're watching and realizing that they may not come play for you for four or five years. And so that, 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 you throw that into the equation of recruiting, and it can be really challenging, and you can make some mistakes. And everybody makes mistakes. They may not like to admit it, but it's a situation that everybody makes mistakes. The key is make as few mistakes as you can. And I think sometimes coaches get caught up in finding the best player for their team, the most athletic, maybe the most talented, but really what they needed is, is a specific role. And, and even though this guy may have been an overall complete player, there's somebody else that you know, really can de- defend and, can, and really bounce it and attack. And whatever the needs you have, 
but I, I think you, you eliminate a lot of mistakes by recruiting young men that are good fits for your program and in your institution and, and, the, guy, and the chemistry of the guys. Sometimes you bring in a really, really A-type personality when you already have a team of them, and it, it, could, be, it could backfire because when guy, you know, and I, I've coached teams. I mean, I, I remember coaching at Fresno City College, and I brought a young man by the name of Ron Solis to BYU with me. He was there every year with me. He was from Oakland, and uh, he, he was a great player. And, and when he played, he was an A-type personality. And I, I got him because I knew he was a really good player. It, it was so hard for me to get him to play with Ray Ferralston, who, who was a longtime NBA guy. And it took a lot of time. And it was worth it. But looking back on it, there, there were so many challenges and issues. And I didn't consider that. I was a young coach. And I just, just give me the best players I can get. I'll figure it out, you know, which is not a bad philosophy. But I, I think when you get to the, the highest level of college and college basketball, uh, there's just a transparent world, and that can cause more grief and more issues when you're constantly dealing with character issues in a, in a in an environment where they they get to see everything. And uh, and that what that does not that you can't manage it. It's just a lot more stress for the coach. <laughs> Yeah, not just the stress, because I think the thing that you're saying, that's been the number one issue Utah's program and why they haven't been in the NCAA tournament in four years is because of that very thing. They've brought in some guys, and we had Larry on last week, and then he's talking about some guys weren't good fits, and then they end up leaving, and now with the transfer portal, it's so much easier to go out, and that's why they end up this year with having virtually no upperclassmen because they had a couple other, some two or three other guys who would have been at this point and would have been the leaders, but they weren't good fits. And it's going back to what you're saying about having this character, having the right fit for your And so it seems like since you're not able to be out on the road recruiting, obviously, the way you did and are used to doing it, that this time around you should make absolutely darn sure you're getting the right kind of kid into your program because you have more time now to research. So in my mind, there's really no excuse for that. And I think that – and my thought for you is that you think that that will be something that – coaches will really hammer in on this year to make sure that they're not bringing in guys who have talent, obviously, but aren't the right fits. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the thing that's going to happen more now than ever is that you, know, you, you, may, you may develop a series of questions and uh, circumstances that you're on the phone or you're, you know, you're FaceTiming or Zooming or whatever, however they're going to do it these days where they can, they can see them face-to-face because you know, talking to a young man or a young woman on the phone is different than, you know, I'd, I'd really want, I want to face, I'm going to FaceTime you. If, if that's legal, I don't even know what's legal, not legal nowadays, but, or, or get them in Zoom and bring them in and have a conversation, have a series of questions and scenarios. And, but I, I think the main thing is that when a head coach and a player understand the role, that, 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 you know, a lot of coaches don't want to talk about a role of a player because he's really talented, and even though he doesn't shoot the three really well, you're, you're, you believe as a coach, I can develop that in him and so forth, when you have three or four guys that are just great shooters and know that if he doesn't learn how to shoot it in the first 12 to 18 months, he's probably not going to be in our program. But 
the, the guy brings so much else to the table. I think that if I were doing this, my, my assessment of young people would be really transparent. I, I would have conversations. We would talk face-to-face through the phone. And what are you looking for? Here, let me talk, let's talk about our personnel. Let's talk about where we see you. And mind you, it's not a perfect world. And I, I have brought people into a program thinking that they would be more patient than they would or that their parents would be more patient or their high school coach would be more patient. And sometimes coaches make a real big mistake in offering them the world, this is going to be this and this and this, and then you figure it out when they, once they get there. And I don't think you can do that anymore. I, I think and, and if you do, you're not going to be in the job very long. And, and so it's one of those things that I think you can do, still do and be really creative through FaceTime or uh, Zoom or something of that nature where you have a series of questions that you ask him. And, and first and foremost, tell me what you think your strengths are. Tell me what your weaknesses are. What do you expect us to do to, to help you to get better? What are your expectations? And I think when guys are recruiting, you know, and again, I can just go from the time, and maybe things have changed in the last seven or eight years. Maybe, maybe they do it differently, but it seemed to me that we'd lay out the whole world for a kid we wanted. We wanted to meet the best people on campus, the most influential. We want to have a great visit. We want to show them the wonderful facilities we have. Everything is about trying to entice them to come, and we miss sometimes on taking the opportunity to finding out what they want. And I, and I, and I think with millennials that, that have been recruited and that kind of mindset, Generation X and so forth, it's kind of a situation where they, this is a group that wants feedback. They want to be inspired. They, those are things that they want. And if you don't understand that when they get on your campus and your personalities don't connect or you don't have staff members whose personalities connect, that kid's not going to stay. And he's not going to be he's not going to be able to perform at his best. So I think there is a lot more involved in the intangibles today when, you know, every one of your guys knows that if it doesn't go well, I'm just leaving. That, that, I mean, they, that's the money. I don't think most kids used to, when they sign, they're excited and da-da-da-da. Now that happens, and if things aren't going right, they're like, yeah, I'm, tra- I'm transferring. And so you really got to do your due diligence so guys aren't coming and leaving. And as Coach K said, you know what, if you don't get guys that are the right fit, you're going you're gonna to make mistakes, man. Nobody's perfect. And you know what? Some kids get better quicker than others. And you, you on paper, you're going, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I see uh, – John, as a guy that, that's going to really play some, some minutes, he'll be in our top eight. And then uh, Terry over here, who uh, he's probably a year away, he has an amazing summer. He comes out and he kicks John's butt every day. you you, you got to play him. And all of a sudden now we have a conflict. And you, somehow you try to figure out how to keep him. And so you do have to manage that. And I know at BYU managing it, it was crazy because you got him coming off missions, you got him redshirting. You get, we got them going on missions and then coming back. Uh, so the dynamics there were way different than any other place. But I, I think Coach K is right. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I was with Coach K a little bit last fall in a, in a setting where I was around his team. And I love the guys he has right now, the character of them and so forth. And I think they all knew as a coaching staff that this would not be an easy year. You just, when you find that out, when you have a lot of young guys or have guys that are hurt or whatever the circumstances are, when you get to 
the, the, the most difficult time of the season, sometimes those guys aren't quite ready for that moment. And I think the guys that he has in his program, if they stay and they're there, you know, the, the core of that group with the guys they're bringing in, then I think they turn it around next year. I, I had a chance to kind of meet them individually and some of the players and felt like there was something there. And, uh, but there's no question, the last couple of years were challenging, but uh, I, I think in my mind, my gut says that they have the character type of guys and the talent enough next year in the Pac-12 to, to be a force because of the, they're going to get some shooting. And they, they, they've really lacked having perimeter shooting. They need it bad. And uh, I think some of the young guys, they did well. But that's not the expectation at the University of Utah. We know that. And uh, they expect you to be at the tournament and competing for championships. So, But I think they do have a core group that could, uh, could turn a corner. We'll see. Steve, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time to talk some hoops. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. See you. Steve Cleveland, join us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. George Niang joins us. You've got guys that are making $32 million, and then you got guys that are making minimum in the league, and their mindsets are different. Is it going to be tough to get everybody on the same page to get this season moving forward? Uh, you know, if, if you haven't noticed, Hans, uh, NBA players love their money. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> if we have a chance to play, guys are going to be playing. You know, guys don't want to see money left on the table, and I think you've got to be able to, you know, stretch it out and try to do as much as you can to make sure that we play the games without, you know, interrupting, you know, people's health and disrupting lifestyles. But, you know, I think guys are really eager to play, especially, you know, when you're sitting at home. And I know guys have wives and kids that I'm sure that they love, but I'm sure they're excited to get out of the house when this all goes down. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Gabe Gomez. Syringa Networks, home to complete telecom and IT solutions. Gabe, I'm not even smart enough to know what complete telecom and IT solutions are. What kind of range of stuff is, uh, is in there? Yeah, so really it's a, it's a very comprehensive mix of, uh, of services and products that we offer, whether it be just a you know your your standard run of the mill um, voice lines, or whether it's like a hosted or cloud based uh, voice uh, system, like a more complex type office uh, voice connectivity type things, um, internet access in all ranges of speeds and um, connectivity options, and then we also have ways to connect uh, buildings and offices and branch locations together. So really the entire gambit of how uh, business communicates today is really what we do. When it comes to IT services, we offer a whole host of different uh, types of servers and uh, routers and switches and things of that nature. So really anything that you would need to uh, have a business talking and up and functioning in today's age is what we do. And you've got tech support around the clock? We have tech support around the clock, and yeah, we're here to ensure that uh, business can just, uh, whoever our clients are, that they can just basically focus on running their business, and we'll take care of all the connectivity options for them so that they can uh, not have to really worry about anything at all in, in respects to their telecom services. So we have 7 by 24 365 access to our technicians and engineers here ready to serve them with whatever issues that they may encounter. 
All right. Find them online, syringanetworks.com. Gabe, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Thank you. Gabe Gomez, Syringa Networks, and you can find them online for all your uh, telecom and IT solutions at syringanetworks.net. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And PK, uh, I've been reading stuff here this morning. Uh, because during the show, we're always reading stuff during breaks, trying to you know make sure we stay uh, up with anything that is uh, breaking. And I thought of what you said about you know at the heart of journalism and at the heart of media, you know what do we really do? If you go in and uh, uh, Brad Rock, I don't know if he still does it. He's obviously retired from the D News. Uh, for a long time, he taught a class up at the U, and he occasionally have different people in to lecture the class and. Uh, and it's the kind of thing if you're summarizing everything you think and believe about your job day to day. And you've often said, we don't necessarily report the truth. We report what people tell us. If they're wrong, we don't necessarily have any control over that. You know, if a coach says after the game, I did this because of X, Y, and Z, well, you report he said because of X, Y, and Z. Now, maybe he didn't really want to tell us why he did something, right? So there's all kinds of truth that, are, uh, that can be elusive, but what we essentially do is go around and talk to a bunch of people and report what they say. Did I misrepresent yes, you? Right. Okay. So here's what's getting reported today in the Washington Post. And I assume that uh, Adam Kilgore wrote this NFL article. And uh, Cindy Boren, who wrote this PGA uh, article, are, again, because when, when I read these summaries, I'm not going to read the whole story, but I read, we, we get this thing, the Post sends out this summary and, of uh, everything that they've got um, kind of publicizing it, trying to drive more web traffic and all that. Uh, so here's a summary of Adam's NFL, and Adam covers the NFL. <clears throat> and you, if you want to read the whole story, you can find it at WashingtonPost.com. How long until sports can return? You might not like the answer. As fields, arenas, and stadiums sit vacant and silent, the desire for sports to return far exceeds the capacity among those who oversee them to determine when they will. Assessing probability is futile, but public health leaders indicate fans and leagues should prepare for sports to remain absent, not just for the coming months, but into next year. Okay, downer. At some point, we've probably all thought it. Total downer. We don't want to hear it, but we're not surprised that Adam is reporting this. When you hear about college football being pushed into the spring, well, that, that's exactly what this is, right? So that's one. And now in the same day in the Washington Post, uh, Cindy Bourne reports, the PGA Championship will reportedly take place in August. One event, at least tentatively, is reported returning to a sports calendar bereft of events because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. The PGA Championship, originally scheduled for May at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco, will reportedly move to August 6th through the 9th at the same course, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. So this is, uh, and, and maybe there's something to the fact that you can stage a golf tournament a little easier than you can uh, a basketball or a football game. You know, football involves more people, just the nature of the sport. You got over, over 50 people practicing, you got assistant coaches, and you got trainers, and you got equipment people. So you really got quite a bunch of people. And I would think that, uh, you know, basketball's a lot less and, and golf even less. But it still seems odd to me that we could have a PGA championship in August, but not have team sports until 2021. And yet there it is, the same day in the Washington Post. I think it just underlines that reporters report what people tell them. And at this point, um, 
Dr. Fauci says that uh, well, we don't make the timeline, the, the virus does. So it seems like anything is possible. To quote, to quote Kevin Garnett, who's going into the Hall of Fame, it all comes full circle. Well, I think what I'm seeing now as I look out on social media as far as golf, they're talking about today the British Open will be canceled and the announcement is expecting to come today. But the tour is expecting to begin in mid-June. And then you're right, the PGA Championship August 6th, uh, Ryder Cup in September, U.S. Open in September, Masters in November. And I think right now there might be some form of consistency there because they're talking about with the no fans. And so golf, uh, golf courses are open now. You were telling me yesterday that you took a walk by Bonneville and you saw folks out there. And obviously you can do that uh, recreation or sport, whichever you prefer to call it. And uh, health officials have not condemned that. Arizona, you know, where they have the stay-at-home order, with except for the essential businesses, I'm pretty sure I had heard that the governor said the golf courses were fine. So if you can do it at the amateur level, uh, why couldn't you do it at the pro level? So maybe there is some consistency there in that if they don't have the fans there because obviously fans uh, I, I go to the Phoenix Open just about every year and I've been to uh, some others when I lived in California Los Angeles Open and the senior tournament and obviously we, we see it on television fans are all jammed up and crammed up against each other you know we see that picture if you can remember last year we're coming up on the year anniversary of Tiger winning the Masters and the flood of people as they took the uh, shot from the dist- in the distance from above to see the flood of people following him is just it's incredible what the what that looks like a sea of people literally and so without that why couldn't they play the golf i mean i'm not an expert on this at any stretch at any point i don't pretend to be i just do whatever these experts say to do and, and go along with it and i even if i question it in my mind it's like, okay, fine, I may question it. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? But I don't go against what they say. And so for now, they're saying golf has been able to be happening. And if they don't have it with any fans, maybe there's a form of consistency between those two. And maybe the team sports have to wait, but the individual ones, and in this case, golf, can go. And if golf can go, let's go. And, <laughs> and if you can have it in mid-June, so what are we – we're – first week of april here so we still got a couple more months to go i am all for it and if they can get out there and do that that would be awesome and i and i I like to watch golf and i like to play golf it's my number one leisure activity now and so i would watch that in a heartbeat so maybe there is that form of consistency there that they can do that but i don't know that they can nor do i know that we're going to have to wait till the new year before team sports can be there i i just sift through this information and I try not to get caught up on it so I'm trying not to just have the news on all day because there's such a opinion A, B, C, D that you can kind of almost drown your mind in it so I back away from it and just touch on it and then maybe watch the news at 6 o'clock or something and see what's out there so it goes back to what what do we really know what do we don't know and there's a whole lot of unknowns that are involved in all that but if we can get golf Back in June, that's great news for me. Uh, I think that's great news for a lot of people. It's uh, and even if you're not into golf, I mean, obviously, if you're way into golf, you're thrilled. If you're casually into golf, 
you're probably still thrilled because it's something. Uh, if you're not into golf at all, I think it would still be good because it's something. You know, maybe it's going to be several steps before we return to whatever the new normal is and all of that. Uh, but it, it's at least something. I just wonder, and I probably don't know enough about putting on PGA tournaments. Is where we probably, you know, talk to Bob Casper or Brian Taylor, uh, get one of them on. Um, what happens behind the scenes? Because the actual, you know, the golfers golfing that doesn't seem like a big deal. I mean, I'm I'm just walking down the street, and if you played Bonneville, you know, you got to cross a road there, and there's traffic and pedestrians and bikes and and people going, and it leads to uh, there's a uh, tennis thing for kids, and it's closed up tight. Uh, and there's a couple little league fields right by there too. Actually, when I was walking by there, there was a family out. Uh, one of the kids was shortstop. One of the kids was was uh, hitting. The dad was pitching, and the mom was playing first base. It was it was just the four of them. It was like a little game of workups. Um, but the golfers, you know, that's not that big a deal. There was there was a threesome, and they were all you know standing fifteen or twenty feet apart, and and they were coming down. Uh, you know the course. You know they were on number four on the road there. You know, and one guy was in the middle, and one guy was to the left, and one guy was to the right. The sport just kind of lends itself to that. Um, and the group behind them was a guy uh, single playing by himself, so there was nobody around. And you don't even there's no rakes, and you don't have to touch the uh, the flagpole to pull it out because they've got the uh, the, the cup raised above the ground, and you just have to hit it. So that's all fine, but when you start putting on a tournament and you start getting officials and you start getting uh, marshals and you got the TV crew, which there's way more people involved in putting on a golf tournament on TV than you would think. There's a lot of ground to cover. Think of all the people sitting in the truck together. I guess they're working through all of that, figuring out how that would work. Um, you know, just going in, because we do see this on TV. We see the scorecard. You know, there's usually two or three people sitting there together, and then the golfers sit down across from them. And I guess they just have to, you know, day by day, pull that whole tournament apart and think of each one of those individual actions and, and how to separate people out. Caddies with gloves on, is that the next thing we're going to see, I guess? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that the, the remains to be seen. And... How about if you're tested daily or something, and we get to that point and the tests have settled down and the folks who need to be tested are tested, and they're not looking to get uh, where their uh, their particular turn are isolated together in a sense. You know, you're, you're, you're not standing six feet away from your wife every day, are you? No. No, and we're all moving through the kitchen using the same space, you know, so... So yeah. that's going on. Um, you know, the guys have to travel, but I think a lot of PGA guys travel on their own on their own planes. So they either own them or they lease them. So I, I don't even think these guys are you know going to be flying commercial to tournaments. So and I guess they could even have smaller fields, I suppose. So there's a lot of stuff to work through, which is why I guess it can't start till June. But uh, I just found that interesting scrolling through the Washington Post. Uh, a lot of hope around the PGA Championship, and then not a lot of hope for uh, team sports in stadiums and in arenas. Yeah, according to some. But, right. I mean, if you're yeah. looking for opinions on look where people are saying, oh, yeah, we can get back together, uh, give Dabo Sweeney a call because he's certain it's going to start on time. Right. And Kirk Herbstreit is really worried it isn't. And aren't his kids on the Clemson team? He's got two kids playing college football. I, I think they went to Clemson. I'll have to check that. 
I think they're walk-ons. Well, then we could have those two in the WrestleMania that's coming up then and see who's stronger and who's tougher. Winner gets Gronk. WrestleMania already <laughs> went down. It went down last night. Oh, there'll be another one. <laughs> WrestleMania is not like Super Bowl. Well, yeah. We'll, we don't have to wait a year. <laughs> we could. Bring it right back but we don't around. have to. Right. We WrestleMania round two. Yeah. It's just... How often do you want to cash a check? And how about this, guys? We talked about horse. Well, why not have golf trick shot competitions? And you, you can literally go out and have that out on the course, and there's plenty of distance. They don't even have to get within 20 yards of each other and have them do trick shots off the tree, off the pin, circle around the cup, three-quarters of the way in the hole. I'm not watching unless Phil Mickelson's playing. Phil's got to be playing. You know he's got flop shots from all over the place. You know he's messed around with his stuff nonstop. Phil's got to be in. I'd, I'd actually say ten different, of he is. ten different elite PGA golfers, all versus Phil. You know, it's uh, Jordan Spieth versus Phil on Monday, and then it's uh, Tiger versus Phil on Tuesday. Rory McIlroy versus Phil on Wednesday. This is nonstop versus Phil. It just feels like we're getting into Phil's wheelhouse right now. And I don't know if you know this, but I think Phil's a little bit of a thrill seeker and he likes to gamble. So they could just be putting enormous amounts of money on these shots. And they got to pay up right out on the spot. So you get out your phone and he Vamos it. <laughs> he Venmos you money the, right there? To the guy right come there. Come on, we've all watched Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. want him to pull out a roll of cash. Nope, that's not healthy. Can't be handed <laughs> over that cash. Got to Venmo it. Right. That's not right, right, right. You can't do that in the in this today's world. No. So all of a sudden you see a guy look at his phone and six million bucks just pops into his account. That would be awesome. I'm up for it. Golf Channel, get get on that. <laughs> I mean, they got this week covered because they're running like twenty former masters. Some of them are edited down to 30 or 60 minutes, and then I think in some cases they're running final rounds for three or four hours. And it's uh, some's on the uh, Golf Channel, some is on ESPN, and then some will be on CBS on the weekend. So uh, check your local listings. But I was wondering about that, and I, I uh, went on Twitter and sent that to, uh, to Bob and Brian, and they came right back. They had a whole list. They had a whole grid they'd found that's out there at masters.org. And... Uh, Man, if you like your golf history, I think today the Golf Channel has got, I think they're about an hour, but maybe they're longer, a little longer. But Arnie winning the Masters in 60, 62, and 64. You know, we were talking about watching old games, and I'll have to see. I'll report back tomorrow. I think I'm going to be able to watch more of this because I'm more tied into the personality. And they've edited it down and shortened it up, and I don't know anything about it. Whereas I think in the team sports... I'm less tied into the NFL personalities of the 60, 62, 64. And I just can't imagine I would sit there and watch Packer games. You know? But I'm more tied into Arnie personally. Right? He came through town. People watched him in person at the senior tour events and that kind of stuff. And uh, you've seen him on TV and you've seen him interviewed. I, I think I'm going to get into this a little more than I would normally get into you know, a World Series or an NBA Finals or uh, NFL playoffs from the 60s. But we'll see if that holds when I'm actually sitting in the chair in front of it. 
Yeah, the problem with that is we've become spoiled by now with the HD and to watch golf in the video productions that they had at that point. It's awfully difficult. I, I think I would I would much rather I just flicked on the golf channel now and they're having last year's uh, something or other Valero tournament. Uh-huh. I think it is in yeah. commercial right now. And they're scrolling on the bottom talking about how the uh, British Open this year will be canceled for the first time since 1945 or 44 or something like that. Uh, it's to me that that stuff. It's really hard to watch it. What I like to watch in relation to that is have the guys comment. So they're sitting in a studio or in a clubhouse or a pro shop or what have you, and they're commenting on, well, I had to do this and this and this, and this was the situation. I would rather have that than the actual watch the golf tournament itself because the quality of the video is just nothing like it is today, and it's really hard to watch when you know that the HD is out there. So for me... Uh, if if they're commenting on it rather than just rebroadcasting it, I can do that. But actually having to watch it becomes difficult. Whereas in in HD, watching what they've got going on now, I mean the golf. It's your way. If you want, if you really want to enjoy golf, it's best to be at home as opposed to be there, uh, because you can see that. Yeah, the Valero Texas Open, they're replaying for whatever reason right now. I don't know. Uh, to that, but I but I know uh, as far as this type of stuff, uh, they they were talking about uh, you know anniversaries. You asked me yesterday about the Final Four of Utah being in it, and it's kind of funny. Well, what are we doing? Are we celebrating the twenty second anniversary? It's not really the you know it's like twenty twenty five thirty, but because it was now. 22 years ago we don't have anything you asked me about that and Mm -hmm. i know you guys played it over the weekend so we're having all these funky type things here i think today is the uh 10-year anniversary of gordon hayward almost beating duke it is in the uh yeah and i do know i'm pretty confident in saying that if the world was normal again, we would be watching the BYU Cougars play basketball for the final time tonight. <laughs> the title game, baby. How often do five? Oh, yeah. How often do five and six seeds make the championship game? Handful of them. Yeah, but see, it it would have been. Well, they've actually, yeah, they've had some few. They've had, a, or at least the final four, where they make the title game or not in the final four, but. See, it would have been a little bit of a misleading five or six seed because they would have got Nixon back. And, you know, that they lost that ball at the end. He wasn't there. Well, surely if he was playing, he would have been worth two points and they would have won the ball game, right? So their full component, they were peaking, Dave. They were peaking at the right time. Man. And they would have got Nixon back. Oh, I have no doubt. I'm like Dabble Sweeney, and has he no doubt that college football we played on zero time? doubt. I have okay. no doubt that BYU would be in the final. Okay, I have zero doubt. Same thing, but I have zero doubt that BYU would be playing tonight. So that's uh, you, you're oh. really uh, you're really getting on. <laughs> Shame gr- on you. You're getting on Greg Rubel's good side right here. You just sent BYU to the Final Four twice in a decade now. I mean, a little if this, if that, but nonetheless, you've sent him. If this, if that, to the Final Four twice in a decade. 
uh, well, opposite ends of the decade. But yeah, oh yeah, there's. I thought they had an excellent chance. So the the Brandon Davies year, I mean, they had a great seed and everything played out. Plus they had Jimmer. I mean, the greatest basketball player as far as college has ever seen in this state. I don't think you can argue that, can you? Age five seeds have made it to the Final Four and six six seeds. So it's rare, but it's not unprecedented. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing for your plumbing, heating, and air, and electrical needs. Call 801-833-3333. 801-833-3333. Or go to actionplumbing.net. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Three seconds to go across the timeline. Two seconds to go. Jenkins, three, right wing to win it. He made it. He made the three for the right wing. Villanova, North Carolina, that was a classic NCAA title game. The dramatic buzzer-beating shot. That is the play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. Now, remember, it's Villanova and Carolina. This is going to cross people up because people are going to try and guess and win, and they're going to assume we went with the Hayward shot, but we crossed them up by going with Villanova, North Carolina because Hayward was 10 years ago today. But that's not going to win you anything at 450 on the big show. All right, DJ and PK. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. Ned Siegfried joining us from Siegfried and Jensen. And Ned, I, I assume lawyers are like everyone else. They're still working, but now they're working from home quite a bit more. Am I right? That's exactly right, uh, David. We, we have probably... Uh, Two-thirds to three-fourths of our people are working remotely. Uh, a few of us come into the office, like myself, but the vast majority of our office is either working remotely full-time or uh, a few of the staff come in in the morning and uh, they, uh, we have a shift changeover and uh, then a, a few more of the staff come in in the afternoon just to kind of keep the basic functions of the office going forward. Don't you do a lot of your work on the phone anyway? Uh, you know, quite a bit of it. You know, the keeping in touch with clients and so on and so forth. We've we've got it set up so that uh, our receptionist can actually. We've got all our calls uh, forwarded so that uh, if a person is not in the office after about five seconds, it starts ringing to their cell phone. And, uh, and then if they don't pick it up on their cell phone in about 15 more seconds, then it goes to their voicemail. So uh, we're able to answer all the phone calls remotely uh, and transfer them to people uh, at their homes. And uh, so we, we feel like in the three, four weeks we've been doing this, we've got most of the bugs out and, and are able to, uh, if need be, uh, if we were to, if the state were to go on lockdown, we could uh, we could take everything remotely if, if necessary. So we've uh, we all watch sports, Ned. So we've all seen your ads, and usually in the ad, there's a shot of a couple potential clients sitting with the lawyers, and you're talking about the process the first time you come in. So that one meeting is usually face to face. How do you handle that now? Well, uh, we can do that over the phone as well. We can. Uh, 
we can uh, take all the information from the <clears throat> potential client over the phone. We can do uh, just like you've, we've probably all done uh, uh, signed mortgage papers electronically. We've got all of our of our uh, intake or new client documents, uh, fee agreements, HIPAA forms, et cetera, et cetera. They can all be signed electronically uh, by just sending the those documents out to the potential client in their home. We've even uh, got it set up so we can do a remote notary, uh, which is really kind of a new piece that, that we've uh, kind of been forced to find out about and, and uh, implement just this last month. So we don't have to meet with the client at all in person. We can keep track, you know, keep in good touch with them over the phone through um uh, you know, email through text, uh, and so uh, really, we can we can pr- continue to provide the same level of service to a client, even uh, in spite of not being able to do the face to face anymore. At least until this this uh, scare goes away. Now everybody knows you and your partner are big sports fans. How much are you missing sports? Oh, it's horrible. I I guess you just don't realize what a big part of of our live sports is until it's all taken away and it's you know we move from season to season from football to basketball to baseball and golf and so on and so forth but to have the plug pulled on all of it at one time i i've never gone off drugs or heroin that uh it would probably be something like this you know with absolutely no medication to to help uh take the pain away and uh you know, it's it's kind of funny. I was kidding my son, and uh, last night he's all hyped up about watching this Y2K, uh, you know, with Donovan Mitchell and everybody. And I guess that's uh, that's some minimal relief to maybe, a, you know, a, a millennial or a video gamer, but it doesn't give me much relief. I'm just, I'm just on edge, so to speak, waiting for the sports seasons to come back. Well, Ned, we appreciate uh, your support at Channel 2 and here at uh, The Zone and, and probably at several other media outlets across town as well. Where do people find you if you, uh, if, you if they need your help? Just the same as always. Uh, the phone numbers or the uh, SiegfriedJensen.com website. So we're, we're literally, uh, DJ, we're just as easy to get in touch with as we've ever been. So just the same old ways we obviously alluded to. We spend uh, enough money supporting uh, uh, various TV stations, radio stations, and uh, to get our our uh, message out there. So just get in touch with with us the same old way. All right, there it is, SiegfriedandJensen.com. And I hope you're tracking Mitch's phone so you know he's putting in uh, 40 hours a week just like you are, you know, nose to the grindstone now. Of course, he's probably tracking yeah. your phone too, huh? Yeah, I imagine. We try to keep an eye on each other. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. All right, not, Ned. Not. Hey, see you guys. <laughs> All right, thanks, Ned. All right, Ned Siegfried, joining us here. Siegfried and Jensen. You can find him online at SiegfriedandJensen.com. 
DJ and PK, Gabe Gomez joining us from Syringa Networks. And uh, Gabe, we just had uh, we just had one of the Benny businesses that is leaning on uh, their phone service, on their computer and uh, IT issues. Siegfried and Jensen working remotely now and uh, doing a lot of work. And you are there to support people like Siegfried and Jensen and other businesses all across the state of Utah. Tell folks what you do. That is correct. Yeah, thank you. So. Uh, we are a uh, complete telecom and IT solutions uh, company. What we do is we offer um, reliable, fast internet uh, connectivity. We also offer reliable phone services, phone systems, hardware, whatever you need to keep a business afloat and connected uh, in, in, this, in, in, in these days is exactly what we do. And we do it all with uh, local customer support and, and service for our customer base here. So we are indeed committed to providing the best services possible so that people can remain connected uh, during these times. You know, our computers always betray us at the least convenient moment when the work really has to be done and it's 6 a.m. or it's uh, 10 p.m. or it's 1 in the morning or whatever. But uh, you're there around the clock? We are here around the clock, yeah. Our, our customer support and service is available uh, 7 by 24, 365. We're, we are always ready to... Uh, help our, our customers with whatever issues that they may encounter. So a uh, uh, business that wants to get a hold of you and need some support, maybe they need to expand because they're doing more work over the phone now. Should they call you? Should they hit you up online? What's the best way to get a hold of Syringa? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of Syringa Networks is our website at www.syringanetworks.net. It has, uh, again, all of the, the various products and services that we offer. It has coverage maps. It has all sorts of different resources in regards um, IT articles and things of that nature, and of course, ways to get a hold of our our customer service folks, our sales professionals. Anything that you really need to uh, connect your business um, is available as a, as a resource on that website. Gabe Gomez, Syringa Networks. Find him at syringanetworks.net. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you, guys.